and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the pack heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. Good morning, and welcome to episode 73, where today I have guest Richard Pollock live from the CHFA podcast booth, where we discussed, among many things, the continued and accelerated growth of the natural and organic segment, some common challenges throughout the industry, and a little around the history of the CHFA itself. The event on the day was everything that I expected. Lots of big smiles, hugs, and it was a very busy trade room floor. I loved meeting all of my previous podcast guests in the flesh for the first time and supporting our food pack clients, which was a huge highlight for me, as well as meeting a lot of new faces and sampling some bloody delicious food and beverage products. It was awesome. So listen, um, what do I say? There was so much to think about. It was a great time podcasting life for the first time. That was awesome, especially in such a busy and fun room. Um, I'd like to thank Richard for taking the time out of his busy schedule on the day. And also a big thank you to Chris Paisley, who was a colleague of mine at Food Pack, who helped me set up my mics and recording gear. Uh, couldn't have done it without you, mate. Um, I had better not forget Aaron Skelton and Lindsay and the whole CHFA team for the opportunity to participate on the day. And uh, they also provided a really awesome space for us all to chat uh, too, which was, yeah, second to none. Um, I've also managed to organize quite a few exciting guests for future episodes here, which I'm really excited about too. So I think that's about it. So let's get on with the show. I hope you enjoy it. Richard, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks very much for having me back. Mate, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, I've said it a few times leading up to this event. Um, just to sit down and have a face-to-face conversation for a podcast has been, you know, uh, a really exciting thing for me because typically I record over Zoom. And to meet you in person is great as well. So thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, no, thanks very much yeah. for uh, having me. It's kind of weird being mate, face-to-face isn't with it? everybody. I yeah. know, without a mask. Yeah. I know there are a few masks here. But uh, yeah, no, mate, it's great to be here and shake hands and taste some product. And obviously the show's just kicked off. What are we at? We're at 11.15 on Saturday the 23rd. And uh, I'm looking forward to walking the showroom floor after this conversation as well and just seeing where the innovation is and, you know, where people are progressing out there as well. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, you know, we're such a tight community here Yeah. Uh, in the natural foods um, community in yep. Canada Yeah. Uh, that it's just nice to see people again. Yeah. And we saw a little bit of that in Anaheim. Yeah. Uh, but it's not as a tight knit community yep. as it is in Canada. Yeah. So just to get to see those familiar faces, I think people are really excited to be out. Yeah. Um, see not only the retailers but the other companies out there because we are uh, as I said such a close-knit yeah. community yeah yeah you know that's one thing that I love about this industry is the networking the uh, camaraderie and uh, and the conversations that are obviously happening on LinkedIn and you know before this uh, episode kicked off as well you know this is the value of being a part of or a member of an association as well in that there is a real community that revolves around it which only builds strength um, and character as well so I guess the premise of today's conversation is really the explosive growth of natural and organic. And I sort of wanted to get some of your insights here because, you know, the the CHFA was formed in 1964. It's changed a lot over the years. You know, here we are, what is it, 60 years later. And look at this showroom. You know, it's huge. There are, what would you say, thousands of people going to attend this event over the course of a weekend. And, um, and I've got some stats here, which I'll run past you as well. 
But I just sort of wanted to, yeah, get some insights on the industry, where it's currently at, where you think it's going, especially through the lens of a, uh, an entrepreneur just starting out in the industry and what that means in terms of opportunity for them. And an established business like yourself that you've got with NSE as well, the slice of the pie is continually growing and that must be really exciting as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I look around, I attended my first show in 1998. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from where we've come from 98 to today is really amazing. Um, you look back and you were talking about the sort of initiation of the natural health uh, food industry in yeah. the 1960s and the association starting up as well. I yeah. mean, it was basically um, beard and sandals. Yeah. Uh, you know, guys in the Okanagan making uh, fruit leather. Yeah. Um, but understanding that uh, they were gaining traction, mm -hmm. that they needed to really be able to have a voice to yeah. be able to um, lobby government for mm -hmm. regulations mm -hmm. um, and understand that the retailers weren't sure how to deal with the non-suits. Where to put it. Where, like to, where put to put it, the products, how yeah. to deal with it. They had yeah. these guys with, they knew that the, these products were selling, but they yeah. had these guys that were, you know, the hippies, yeah. not the, the suit and corporate. tie guys, yeah, the corporate yeah. guys yeah. Um, who were typical from grocery and how to deal with them, how to deal with the innovation, where to put it on shelf. So our voices really changed over the years. Fast forward to when I joined, um, there was a real distinction mm. in 1998 you know, for up until, you know, 2010 on natural uh, channel. Mm. And then some stores said, hey, listen, some mass stores said, let's start creating, Loblaws was one of them, mm. natural value. Yeah. So we have these stores within a store. Yeah. And it was interesting. Like their own specific aisle that you see in Superstore. Yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and that yeah. sort of came around in, in 2010. It's interesting. Our uh, chair of the CHFA was sort of uh, at Loblaws at the time mm. and was instrumental in that mind shift. So yeah. it was interesting that Aaron Skelton, who uh, is 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 the chairman, uh, president of the CHFA, yeah. uh, pardon me, um, was so instrumental in making that shift mm. in the largest retailer in mm. the country. Um, as what we saw, as what we've seen, really happen is natural is becoming more mainstream. And I was talking to you a little bit yeah, this before. Yeah, it's definitely gone over the tipping point. So I do have a stat that would actually tie in quite nicely to this part of the conversation because the, the growth is really being driven by consumer demand around specific diets. So whether it's keto, paleo, um, vegan, for example, or plant-based. Innovation is obviously huge in this space because it's relatively new in terms of it hitting the mainstream market and people do really enjoy seeing new products out there and they're willing to taste and try it. And then also, um, you know, the added benefits of um, organic farming and natural farming in terms of environmental impact. So it seems to be growing um, because of those reasons as well. But, um, you know, over the years, over this 60 year period, at what point did you sort of see it sort of really start to shift? Was Because you entered here in 98. Was it a couple of years after that or when did it sort of change? It was, it was even maybe before that things were starting to shift that I saw on shelf. Part of the reason why I was interested in the industry. But the natural health food store, and, and, and I talked to you before about my story, yeah. how I've been involved in it. My mom was, you yeah. know, the, the sort of 
hippie lady getting me yep. on the proper diet and very high doses of high uh, doses vitamin C. of vitamin C yep. and all of those things and other vitamins and minerals but what is interesting is the natural channel is a really unique channel and you hit it on the head is it allows the entrepreneurs that are in the space to create innovative products and then incubate those mm. products with a, a, a group of consumers and then it hits critical mass mm. And once it hits critical mass, it moves beyond that innovation and incubation and then can move to the next stage. Mm. And we were talking about FMCG, fast moving consumer products. And natural is such an important part of that. Natural is sort of morphing as I see it right now, moving away from natural designation into more premium. People understand that the products within the natural channel that are coming out of the entrepreneurs, the, the, the consumer packaged goods entrepreneurs, are creating these premium products that consumers want to take because of diet, yeah. because of health. Yeah. Um, large CPG companies don't have the ability to innovate like that. That's mm -hmm. why I think we've seen so much um, uh, acquisition. acquisition. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's rough at the moment, and it's really exciting for people to know that there is a potential exit like that. Um, but the amount of work that's got to go in, you know, to build the business to get to a point where you know it can be acquired, is uh, is tremendous. Um, who are sort of the major players over the years that sort of really broke the ground for everybody, um, you know, in that space? You know, because I can imagine for things to become uh, mainstream, there had to have been a couple of players, a couple of brands or products out there that was sort of the first to break through. Who were they? Well, you know, there's a couple. Um, you know, in the US, Shabani yogurt oh, was yeah. sort yeah, of, yeah. you know, where you had these um, entrenched yogurt companies, yeah. we'll call Yo them the suits, yeah. Yeah. and where they sort of were there, and then Shabani sort of said, listen, we're gonna introduce this Greek natural yogurt, and all of a sudden it exploded. And then you move to supplement companies mm -hmm. like um, Emergency, mm -hmm. um, and not to toot my own horn, but it was a really neat product that yeah. really started in 78 yeah. in the mom and pop natural health and then sort of expanded out. Yeah. You've got companies like Vega, which is a really neat story. Mm -hmm. You know, I um, my first CHFA um, sitting in a tiny micro booth next to Charles Chang, the founder of, of Vega, uh, working on plant-based protein, mm. which was really one of the first mm -hmm. out there. Mm. Um, and seeing that explode into an entirely new category it's uh, where it yeah. became mainstream, yeah. um, really sort of blowing up at, into, into a next level. Mm. Um, Kind Bar is another one mm -hmm. where, you know, who would have thought that you had these seed and nut bars uh, with a little bit of chocolate, which healthy, low calorie, would have become this $1.5 billion annual revenue juggernaut yeah. uh, that crosses not only natural uh, FDM, mm. uh, but also convenience. Yeah. And I mean, so across every channel. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to see um, people really focus on what is good for them. Uh, what's good for the environment now more than ever yeah. on the environmental it's piece. It's definitely a driver. And, um, and, and also, there's a certain thing with consumers that want to champion the little guy. Mm. Um, they want to support 
the small entrepreneurial companies they love it they see it as the engine of the economy i know and that sort of local aspect is definitely a um, a huge driver as well and you do see banners like save on foods you know putting out their little tags you know on the retail shelves to specifically point consumers in the right direction so that they know that there are local products on the shelf i think it's really cool and a great opportunity for these small brands to get out there and build credibility around their product and that also naturally helps them get into other banners as well yeah, no, it's yep. really amazing to be yep. able to see that for sure. Where do you place the industry at the moment? You know, obviously coming through potentially the other side of the impact of COVID and what we've seen there. Um, you know, we've got cost of goods rising, packaging going up, logistics. They're being pushed at both ends because it's really hard to sort of break a, gra- a glass ceiling where the consumer is willing to pay for the product and retailers also aren't necessarily always taking price advances or you know price changes at the moment either so they're being squeezed from both sides so how do you sort of see that playing out you know what i think we're gonna see no matter what we do uh we're gonna see inflationary pressure yep. across all channels yep. uh natural channels gonna get hit a little bit harder uh because i think we'll we are, as I said, it's moving from this idea of natural to premium because yeah. premium is natural. Yeah. Premium is better for you yeah. brands. Yeah. Um, I think there will always be a segment that wants to purchase that, but mm. I think we're going to see inflation essentially means uh, the shrinking shrinking of consumer demand. Yeah. Um, so what's going to end up happening is consumer demand will contract because prices are gonna go up. That's Mm. why they increase interest rates. So we will see a tougher competitive landscape and competitive for the consumer's dollar. Um, However, I think consumers are gonna remain focused on better for you brands. They may spend less on some of the um, snack style brands Mm. and say, listen, we're gonna move away from that, focus on our main things, but I think the food products uh, that are focused on um, better for you, the gluten-free category, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the keto categories that you mentioned um, will will maintain. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's going to be some squeezing. There, We don't know where the economy is going to go. Supply chain is only going to be getting worse yeah. over the next six months, yeah. not better. Uh, we're uh, seeing that projection as well. Yeah. Uh, with China being closed down right now yeah. over COVID. It's really tough. Uh, yeah, we're projecting major, the supply chain issues that happened at the beginning of COVID mm. will be uh, amplified uh, even greater uh, to what they were. So there's going to be squeezes. Um, but I think at the end of the day, there's always room for those premium products out mm. there, those premium natural products. Mm-hmm. So. Innovation may take a hit mm. uh, for uh, a period of time, but it'll it'll cycle back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I am concerned about it for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, time will tell, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. So walking the floor, I haven't had a chance to do it yet. I have you. Have you managed to get around a little bit, or I haven't yet. No? Uh, a little bit early in the day, but um, you know, I walked down here and. Um, and I, you know we're seeing a lot of innovation. The nice thing is, is we're not seeing the same uh, style of innovation that we're seeing in the states. We're actually seeing unique innovation. Really? Yeah. In the U.S., you see um, there was a lot of water, a lot of alkaline water, uh, alkaline water, yeah, got, yeah, sparkling water. Yep. Uh, we're not seeing a lot of that. We're not seeing a lot of the gummy uh, uh, movement uh, up like here. Like the There's, smart sweets. Yeah, yeah. And, and things like that. Yep. I mean, they were 
all over the floor. Yep. Uh, so, but what we are seeing is some innovation in health, uh, some really cool stuff in supplementation. Mm. Uh, the Erin Wellness uh, booth that I walk by, she's yep. doing a really great job of creating some innovative products yeah, cool. in the in the women's health space. Um, and and you know, I'm seeing a lot of innovative foods um, coming up. A really great uh, uh, product that I saw was a company called Chiwis. Oh uh, yeah, Sarah. Yeah, I know. I've had yeah, her on the podcast. Yeah, so I know you're familiar with the product yeah. as well, and it's awesome. She's doing some great things. Recently, got some funding, and uh, and at Foodpack, we've helped her out with some equipment as well, which is on order, which is exciting yeah, for her no, too. Yeah, no, it's really yeah. cool. Uh, uh, and just the product tastes so good. Yeah, so innovative. It really does. Uh, yeah, there's not much to it, which no, is awesome. And it's so yeah. healthy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another one that I saw is really cool is. Uh, Blender Bites. I don't oh, know yep. She's a client of ours as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's yep. done a really great job yep. in, uh, because smoothies are hard to make. Yeah, they I are. make them a lot. Yeah. And yep. I mean, not hard to make, but they're time consuming. Yeah. So to be able to say, hey, listen, here's an easy, healthy, yep. quick way. Yeah. Um, because, you know, people want that convenience. And no the nutrition what. boost as well. Yeah. yeah. Especially with a good clean ingredients list. Like, yeah, it's a very convenient thing. And also because it is frozen, like there's no, the shelf life is extended. You can throw it in the freezer, forget about it for a week. And you know that when you come back to it, it's going to be good. So right. I think it's a really good concept yeah. as well. Um, on the environmental side, I saw a really cool uh, product uh, walking by called Good Organics. Okay. Um, and it's a toothpaste tablet. Oh, uh, okay. So, so it's a dry toothpaste. It's a it's a tab, tab like yeah. it's a pill yeah. that you crunch in your mouth, yeah. and it foams up and creates toothpaste. Yeah. So and they've got it in glass bottles. That's cool. Uh, so which it's, are recyclable? Yeah. Yeah. This toothpaste um, is not the most environmentally friendly. Well, the tube isn't. There's yeah. nowhere to actually put the tube, which is actually the biggest issue with flexible packaging at the moment. And uh, yeah, I mean, technically speaking. Uh, if the infrastructure was here to support it, it could be recycled, but we just don't have it in BC in the vast majority of Canada. Even with the monostructure, I saw um, with the Colgate that we've got at home, it's a monostructure, which means it's made out of the same material. So technically speaking, and one day in the future, probably in the next five or six years, it will be curbside recyclable, but we just don't have it here at the moment. But to hear that people are innovating in that space to get around that right now is really cool. Yeah, yeah no, it's it, it, and I think that we, we've got to continually look towards those packaging innovations because yep. where the number one thing and the thing that I think that you're in the really cool space mm -hmm. with is I think we're going to see some major innovation around compostable packaging yep. uh, even beyond recyclable because there's a lot of greenwashing around so much, mate. Uh, yep. around packaging yep. uh, you know you see a number seven recycle but it's just it's, a catch-all. It's garbage. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, it is. It's actually going in exactly the same place as all flexible packaging at the moment. Um, and you, you know, you mentioned compostable as well. Industrial composters here in BC and, and Canada, the vast majority of Canada, unless it's a small little independently one, there are, you know, there are um, exceptions to the rule. Um, but they're not accepting any flexible packaging in because it's really hard to identify if it's um, compostable or not, even if it's certified by BPI, like the print technology is so good it's more of an issue of how you're going to get it to the industrial composter how they're going to sort it and you know so there are there are multiple complications there at the moment but yeah we'll eventually be able to change that space as well but unfortunately there aren't any timelines projected yeah i know it's it's yeah. really the technology and i think covid sort of put some uh some issues behind that i mean yeah. listen with nrc it's it's my big hairy audacious goal to be with able to film. with my film yeah. to be yep. able to turn that into fully compostable i mean yep. 
the neat thing is, as I keep saying, you know, it takes 300 packets yeah. to create one 16 ml bottle yeah. of water. Yeah. But it's still one yeah. 16 ml bottle yeah. of water. Yeah. Um, we have to get rid of plastics. Mm. We have to find other ways to mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was looking at um, uh, another packaging thing, and I know we're sort of going down a tangent, but. Um, taking um, the peanuts, the styrofoam peanuts. There's a really cool company taking shrimp shells. Oh, cool. And, uh, and, and taking those shrimp shells and turning them into packaging yep. foam, which is yep. totally like a compostable. Filler yeah, that's yeah, cool. So, yep. um, I think we're getting there. I just, we've got a, I think in the next two, three years, that push on packaging. And I think we'll see leadership mm -hmm. in the natural health products yep. industry uh, amongst that amongst us to change those packaging. I completely things. agree. Um, we've got our finger on the pulse at Food Pack in this space because, you know, demand is there. Like consumers are demanding it when we're having con conversations with our clients or new clients as well. The demand is there. Price point isn't quite there yet. It's really hard to justify spending money on a product right now or the packaging that is certified compostable or um, potentially recyclable if the infrastructure isn't there to support it. So it's going into the landfill. So right now, a lot of our clients are going, well, when, it, when it's there, we'd be happy to pay for it. But right now, our margins are already thin enough. Well, you know, and, and we've got to survive. And with inflation yeah. and yeah. everything like that, I think that if you get yeah. to... Uh, <laughs> If you get to the point where we're at um, stability yeah. and pricing, because I think yeah. we're missing on stability right now. Yeah. Um, and I think if we move that uh, a little bit further along. What do you um, mean by stability? So stability is really around how do we... Um, Go so my biggest issue is I can probably have some compostable packaging, yeah. but right now it's only six months. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh, in terms of shelf life. That's right. No, you're absolutely right. You'd be lucky to get six months. You're lucky in that you've got a dry good, and uh, you know there isn't any moisture, so the barrier still needs to be there for the oxygen transfer, but the moisture transfer rate obviously doesn't play as big a role. Um, so yeah, you'd be lucky to get six months on your product, um, just with a craft PLA product or a um, Nature Flex or something like that. Um, but there is a lot of innovation happening in that space as well, which is really exciting. So um, uh, bioplastics being produced from seaweed. Um, there's a lot of uh, work going into that space uh, at universities and a lot of research, and there's a lot of promise there as well. Right now, it's not proving concept because they've done that. It's being able to scale it and uh, you know get it into enough people's hands. So we're really excited, and I've got my eye on that prize. I think that that is showing the most promise at the moment. Um, because it's such a sustainable resource as well. It's so easy to grow seaweed and there are benefits in harvesting seaweed as well, like the, um, you know, sequestering carbon from the atmosphere, yeah. improving shorelines that have otherwise been eroded and, uh, and also providing a natural habitat for, you know, a lot of the, um, the fish and, and all the crustaceans and stuff in the, in the waters as well. So, uh, and, and the other benefit of it is um, also providing employment uh, to a lot of people on these coastal towns um, that otherwise wouldn't be there. So there's so much benefit to harvesting seaweed. So I really just, I didn't, uh, I didn't understand the depth of, uh, of the seaweed bioplastics. Because awesome. I've been looking at, at, at the corn based yep. and corn is not... Non-GMO as well. Oh, GMO, yeah. And it's not sustainable. Yeah, no. And I mean, gosh, the, the horrible... Uh, tragedy that's happening in the Ukraine right now, oh my God. Uh, we're going to see, from what I'm hearing, we're talking about, you know, we talked a little bit about earlier about China, but yep. agricultural prices for food products yeah. are going to skyrocket because yeah. 
uh, I don't think people realize how much um, agricultural products come out of the Ukraine. And Russia is one of the world's largest suppliers of fertilizer. The potash, that's right. So there's uh, no fertilizer coming out. There's no <laughs> we're, we're just in for the start of it. So I, I, I think yeah. it's going to be a really yeah. interesting ride. So, But, you know, as an industry and, and our company value is wellness for people and planet. Yeah. And I think it, it's sort of a catch-all, not only for us, but for a lot of different companies. Yeah. And even though we're going to be really under the squeeze financially, I think people understand yeah. the importance of everybody contributing back to yeah. the environment, particularly people associated with this industry, yeah. whether they be suppliers, whether they be consumers, whether they be retailers, mm. distributors. Yeah. Um, so I think that that awareness and the cool thing about this industry is what we do is spark awareness. Yeah. And we create that awareness for better for you products yep. we lead the charge on the environmental mm -hmm. or at least consciously talk about it um, and I think that, that then translates into the mass mentality of the people who may not be in this industry yep. um, you know there are people who won't be able to afford our, our natural premium products mm. but at the same time um, at least they're hearing that message you know we've got to get away from a lot of the food deserts that are occurring in mm. the United States. Mm -hmm. um, but in Canada, I think we're much better uh, positioned and suited to get that message out there yeah. and, and focus on, on that wellness for people and yeah. planet. That's awesome. Mate, we've been going for a little bit. I've got a couple more questions for you. Sure. So we've talked about innovation. We've talked about what you're kind of expecting to see on the floor. And, you know, we just discussed, obviously, packaging and, and some issues there. The conversation that keeps on coming up on this podcast is obviously the, the rising cost of goods, you know, in terms of like raw ingredients for their food products. And one of the biggest challenges right now is, you know, ensuring that they can lock in a good price for a specified period of time. And not everybody has the ability or capacity to warehouse large volumes and, and capture that sort of um, price uh, or that benefit. For small organizations starting out, that are you know just testing the market obviously they know that they have to take a hit on their margins because they're buying at low volumes even their packaging's at low volumes my biggest question is how are these little guys supposed to fund and you know grow and bootstrap their business with the squeeze that's coming from both ends like do you have any tips out there i guess it's the million dollar question but you know, the vast majority of the people who listen to this podcast are entrepreneurs that are just starting out. You know, they may have been operational for six to eight months, 12 months if we're lucky. And so they're looking for any insights right now as to sort of how to streamline their operation. Any insights? So this is a little bit off the wall, um, but it sort of goes back to what we had talked about earlier. The natural health products industry is a collaborative one. Yeah. So... My suggestion to those small guys that are starting out, call up a company that purchases in large quantities yep. the same raw materials or similar raw materials to you and say, hey, listen, can I piggyback with you? That's I need to awesome be able idea. to order. Yep. I, I need to be able to order a small quantity to piggyback on your order. Yep. Would you consider? Now, listen. Some people are going to be assholes yeah. and say no. Yeah, yeah. But I can tell you right now that if somebody called me and said, hey, listen, yeah. I need a little bit of uh, erythritol or stevia yeah. or uh, some uh, calcium uh, yeah. or whatever it is, yeah. I would be like, absolutely. 
yeah. you know what? Yeah. I'll, I'll hive a little bit off because I'm buying in large quantities. Yeah. I yeah. have annual contracts. Yeah. Um, there are going to be people that say no. Yeah. Yeah, but there are going to be people that say absolutely. Yeah. Let, let's let's piggyback together because yeah. I want to see it get going. Yeah. Because as you said earlier, it's all about seeing that pie grow. Mm. Natural health products industry historically has been com- collaborative, not competitive. Yeah. And I think everybody here and is about helping the industry as a whole, helping out the entrepreneur because most of us in this industry were there. Yeah at one point yeah. that's really the only suggestion that I have I think that's a brilliant suggestion uh, that's probably the most out of the box answer I've had to that question so thank you very much yeah no, yeah, that's brilliant yeah, yeah. and you know what even um, you know having a conversation with like you were saying like larger organizations but smaller organizations like finding two or three you know like businesses that use that product and maybe you know uh, dividing up the purchase order or something like that. Setting up yeah. a, a manufacturer's cooperative, yeah. too. I mean, I think that we're going to have to look at some of those things. I yeah. mean, uh, to be able to turn around and say, we may only be ordering 10,000 metro, uh, 10,000 kilograms or yeah. something, but the three of us is going to be 30,000. Yeah. We're going to get that much of a yeah. price break. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, how do we do that? So Actually, you know what? This is common. I just didn't occur to me. This is common in the coffee roasting industry where you've got large roasters that are ordering, you know, containers of green, green coffee. And then you've got small little micro roasters that are just popping up and they may just want a couple of bags, you know, like 60 pounds of green and they buy it off a larger roaster. So, yeah, that's a model that's already in play and it hadn't occurred to me, but you could apply that right across the board, couldn't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that we're going to need to as, as an industry and yeah. particularly for the small guys. Yeah. I think they're going to need to do that too. Otherwise, it, as we talked about earlier, it's going to be very, very tough yeah. for people to launch at yeah. such a, a, a major premium yeah. to, to the products that are already yeah. on shelf. Great. Well, listen, Richard, thank you so much for your time today. I'm going to let you get back out onto the floor and mingle and, uh, and go and taste some product. Um, mate, what a great conversation. I really appreciate it. And thanks for hey, shaking your hand. And yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah, really yeah. nice to meet. Yeah, I know. Awesome. Thanks All so right. much. All right. Take care. Bye. Right, bye. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions from today's episode or would like to know more about what I can do to help you achieve your packaging vision, you can reach me directly at Hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. You could DM me on Instagram at thepackheavypodcast or we could also connect on LinkedIn and start a conversation there. We'll see you next week.